I do want to continue to talk a bit about uh, what, what Paul is teaching us through Romans, the book of Romans. And so I'm going to be sharing just uh, very, very briefly with you on, on that. And then what I would like for you to do is you to, you, you to come next Sunday and I, I will finish it, or even this coming Wednesday, I will share with you in depth. The book of Romans is just an amazing book, and I've studied this book perhaps more than anything I've ever done, just studied and studied, and every time I study, it's like somebody's moving the, 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 the diamond, in, and I see another facet, and another facet, another facet, and I'm thinking, I can't do this, because it's just so in-depth. What Paul was doing was writing to the Christians in a pagan society and, they, and how they should live, how they should grow and not be influenced and negatively affected by the world around them, that they were supposed to affect the world around them rather than being affected by it. And it's sort of like being infected by it. So uh, let's look at this uh, from uh, Paul's uh, perspective and the Holy Spirit's perspective mostly. Um, in uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Therefore, having been justified by faith. Now, what he's speaking of is that Abraham, the father of faith, the father, was justified by faith, faith that he had before he was circumcised. And so it, it was, a, you could safely almost say that Abraham was as a, an uncircumcised Gentile, who came to faith. And, and so God gave him the seal of circumcision uh, be, because of the faith he had while uncircumcised. God gave him that seal. Now, I think what Paul is saying here is that God also has done something for us. He has given us the seal of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a seal that we belong to God. This is so big for me. And he says, therefore, and for what the, for the thing, because of the things I've said, therefore, having been justified by faith. And he's speaking of all of us who are believers. May I just say, so many believers in Jesus live beneath their privilege. It's like God is saying, uh, you own the house, you have this house, but you live in a tent in the backyard. That's how we comport ourselves so often. And I'm very passionate about this because of what the Holy Spirit, what Jesus wants us to know. He says, having been justified, it's past tense. It is something that happened in the past, but with the same continuing results. Now, you've got to hear that. See, it, we have been justified. That means we have been declared righteous in the past, and it has continuing results, everlasting results, eternal results. He says, we have peace with God. You, now, this is a good translation. Some think that the better translation was, let us have peace with God. But we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus Christ is the agent. He is the, the one through whom we have this peace with God. So I'm giving you the Reader's Digest version today. So this is a medical term. Peace is a medical term. It means 
if you were to break your arm and you would set the arm, the doctor sets your arm, puts it in a cast, he puts it back at one, like it was before. And so what God has done, he has given us peace with himself through Jesus Christ. That is, the broken relationship has been restored. And, and that's a cause for uh, rejoicing and exulting in God through Jesus Christ. You, you're excited because, because God himself, as it were, set the bone. God set the broken peace. And, and let us listen carefully because the Lord wants us to be assured, not self-assured, but God-assured. Assured that what God put back together cannot be broken again. Okay. Now, this is what... I'm not one of those loosey-goosey preachers. I'm not some preacher who wants to make, wants to make everything so palatable that nobody leaves the church. I, I, when I tell the truth every now and then, two or three or four or five people just get up and leave. You know, they say, like, like Tata, you know, we ain't, we ain't coming back. You know, but I'm telling you the truth. And this is what he said. This is through Jesus. And he says, through whom, also through Christ, we have access. Come on, access. Have you ever been denied access? Now, I've been denied access in my life. I've been denied access on my computers. You know, I, and it's terrible to be denied access. But he says, we have access by faith. Now, we've talked to you about this faith. It's not like my faith, my faith, and I, I've got more faith than you. I've got Rolls-Royce faith, and you've got Volkswagen faith. Hey, listen, it's none of that stuff. You know, this faith has been given to us by grace. The grace of God has lifted us to faith. And, and now, he says, so I can't take credit for what I received by grace. I didn't earn it. You didn't earn it. So this is what Paul is saying to the believers. And he's helping them to cope with the society around them. May I say, brothers and sisters, the church at large, generally speaking, has not done a very good job of coping with the decay around us. Because we have, we have put our hands in the decay and tried to make uh, cor corruption incorruption, and it has not worked. And so we have access by faith. Now listen, into this grace in which we stand. This is amazing. So the grace of God brought us to faith so that he could the, deliver us into grace and we could stand or live in this amazing grace. This is what God wants us to fully know. And he says, and, that's, he's not finished. He's, he's good for these long sentences. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And we are rejoicing in hope of the glory of God. So we are exulting in this hope of the glory of God. I love the way Paul says it. He says, and, and not only that. Now that's for me, I could settle down there. Yeah, I could settle down there. All the good stuff you just said, justified by faith, peace with God, having access by faith to this grace in which we stand, rejoicing in the hope and the expectation of the glory of God and that, that everything that God promised us, everything that God has said to us, that God is going to fulfill. I mean, I mean I'm ready to settle down. <laughs> right now, he said, he said uh -uh, no, no, DG, no. And not only that. But we glory in tribulation. What? We glory in tribulation. So, so to God, God in his infinite mercy 
does not allow us to run from things. He doesn't allow us to run. He says, no, baby. Uh, he says, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to lead you, and I'm going to allow some things. I'm going to allow tribulation. I'm going to allow tribulation because I am against tribulation. I, I want to live an untribulated life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that's not a word. Our children don't write that down. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want a life of tribulation. But God knows that, 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 that we don't know that what he has done in us is greater than the tribulation outside us. The tribulation that's against us. And so this is what God wants us to know. And sometimes I was saying to someone uh, recently dear to me, and I said, you know, God... God um, does not want you to go through this particular situation, but God, as it were, it's not like God is gleeful, but God has to allow this, and he has to bring you to this, all this difficulty where you got to trust him, and, and nothing that you see says trust God. It says run. I said, but in God, and you're walking through it, and I use this word, and I want to use it again, but I use it in quotations. I said, God doesn't want you crying and suffering. I said, but he's proud of you. He, when he sees his boy walking through it, he's proud of him. And I could just see myself as a, as a dad, and, and my son was playing football. He was, a, in those days, a defensive tackle, and, and, and he, was, he was running through the line, and, and he would knock one guy down, and, and then another one, another. It took three of them to hold him, and he, he looked at me and said, Dad, he said, ah, he said, ah, I said, don't worry, son. I said, there are three of them on you. The other boy's got to do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because was, I, was saying, I was so proud of him. I didn't like the idea that there were three of those big boys holding my son down, but I was so proud of him in a, in a godly sense, so so pleased with him, so, so thrilled with the fact that that's my boy. And so when God takes us through tribulation, God is saying, ah, oh, that's my kid. That's my child. They're, they're just like the dad. That's what God is saying. And Paul says, hallelujah, somebody. <laughs> so Paul says, we glory in tribulations. Now, this is what he says. Listen, Paul says, knowing, and I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know what tribulation was doing for me. He says knowing, but you and I know, right? Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. See, if you go, you, since you're going to live forever, not if you're going to live forever, but since you're going to live forever, you need to go through something because you've got to persevere. You see, we sometimes think that eternity is going to be this place where we can ride on clouds, eat bananas and grapes. But God has not taken work out of, the, out of taking dominion. There is still work in eternity. I mean, yeah, we have dominion. He said, what did he say that? Made a perfect world. He says, okay, subdue the earth. Take dominion. So we, we're gonna, we, we need perseverance. There will be things that we will probably be working out with God forever and ever. Forever and ever. And so he says, tribulation produces what? Perseverance. You can go through. And perseverance means that, that you patiently get through whatever the obstacle is because God has given us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is that dunamis, that dynamite, that power that, that 
continues regardless of the resistance against us. Huh? Regardless of the resistance against us. So it doesn't matter how the enemy resists us, greater is he who is within you than he who is in the world. That's what Paul wants us to know. And that's what God wants us to know. That's what the Father wants us to know. So uh, if some of you have been, are, like I was, I always practiced avoiding these things as much as I could. And whenever they would happen, man, I'd get on my knees and cry. I used to cry, literally. I mean, I, would, I was hurting. I mean, I'd cry out to God. And, and I, I've even used stuff like, you know, you know I, I don't see why you'd let me go through, you know, trying to, trying to beg God. Didn't work. You know, I used everything. You know, if, I said one time, if I were God and you were me, I wouldn't let you, you know. <laughs> I know. Hey, didn't work. <laughs> because God knows what's the best. And because once we, we learn perseverance, he says, it produces character. But not just character as I may subjectively suppose, but godly character. I start to look more like my dad. We start to look like our father in heaven. We start to look like our elder brother who conquered everything, all things that needed to be conquered by himself. Can you imagine one man, one man defeating the hosts of hell by himself, facing them by himself, by himself, sweat becoming like great drops of blood, like falling from his temple, the pressure so great. No, I've had headaches from pressure, but never blood drops. He did it, and he knows that this is what is being worked into us, this kind of character, that we can face anything. He says, and then, listen, what happens is that godly character now produces hope again. So that means that my hope is... An expectation that God is who he says he is, and God will do what he says he will do. That's right. And so God wants us to be undaunted in that. We, we are uns, unsettled. We, we are rather settled in the fact that we are undaunted is what I'm trying to say. And so he says now, and so Paul continues with these superlatives one after the other, and he says now hope does not disappoint. And what he's saying is that once you have biblical hope in God, expectation, not wishing, but hope in God, I'm settled now in the things of God. I know that God is who he is. I know he, he will do what he says. He's always faithful. He may not come when I want him, often doesn't, but when he comes, it's right. And, and that's what growing in God will do for us. We will realize, I know I wanted God to come last week when that stock was $1 and now it's 50 But God said, no, you didn't need that. That was going to take you off course. God didn't come when you wanted him, but he was on time. And then Paul tells us hope does not disappoint. What this means is God is not going to lead you in a place so, so you're going to be totally embarrassed and ashamed that you believed God and um, God didn't show up. He says, no, the biblical hope will never disappoint. Biblical hope will never disappoint. 
Not maybe sometimes, or, or there's a particular caveat there. That No, it will never disappoint. Biblical hope will never disappoint. Will never disappoint. It will, and, and also this word for, for disappoint means to dishonor. You will never suffer dishonor. You will never suffer disgrace. You will never be repulsed. God will never deceive you. Wow. And he says, why? Because he says, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit or through the Holy Spirit. So he has poured out the love of God. It's like a big a pitcher that, that full of, of something good and it's just poured out. You know, maybe that good sweet tea, you know, just poured in that glass of, of ice there. He says the Holy Spirit has been poured out in our hearts, or the love of God has been rather poured out in our hearts through or by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. He was given to us, not alone given. And then he shows us the love of God. Now, the love, I want you to hold the love of God in your, in your in one side here. Hold the love of God because sometimes we take for granted these things. See, we're, we're like the, that caption with here's this, um, this little mouse. It's looking, there's a big uh, giant condor flying. You know, talons big like my hands flying. And a little mouse saying, I dare you. You know, no, buddy, you, you, you're going to be the appetizer. You're too little to be dinner. So that's, that's who we've been, and that's what we've looked like. And I'm saying God has so much more for us. But so, so often what we know is, is the greatest enemy to what we ought to know. So let us open ourselves up and learn more of this amazing God. Paul tells us in verse 6, for when we were still without strength, feeble, weak, uh, you know, uh, uh, subdued and, and uh, controlled by the world and world system. For, for when we were still without strength, in due time or at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, now this, this always befuddled me befuddled me for years and years. I just couldn't seem to understand this analogy that he is get, painting here. I just couldn't grasp it. And um, I knew it was good because it was in the Bible. Couldn't grasp it. But listen to what he says. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. What he's saying is that people don't just die uh, for, for, for things or people. You know, not intentionally. He says scarcely for a righteous man will one die. So if you saw uh, a, a really righteous person, mm, you might die for him. So yeah, we need righteousness, and uh, I'll just give my life. He says, scarcely. He said, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. So somebody might say, you know, man, I've been rotten all my life, but you've been a good dude, man. I'm going to take the bullet for you. He said, th- he said that, that could happen, perhaps, per- perhaps, possibly, talvez. Maybe. He said, but God demonstrates, commends his own love, not just love, his own love toward us in that 
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, notice this. He says, you, you can't find people to die for righteous. You can't find people to die necessarily for good. But we, we were some bad dudes. We were sinners, stinking sinners, anti-God, anti-Christ. And he died for the ungodly, the not godly. Wow. He said, this is God's love. Now, listen, this is good. I'm almost there. I, I'm, I'm seriously almost there. He died for us. And then, now, for me, I can settle down, build my house, and raise my family right there. But Paul doesn't want that. He says, much more. So, so Paul is saying, much, that's many, a lot, great. But he says, no, more, more. It's like I've given you more than you can handle. But he says, no, even some more. Put some more on there. Put some more on there. You know, to use monetary, monetary system, not necessarily the food system, you just put a 20-ounce prime ribeye on my plate, and you said, no, put some green beans and some potatoes and, uh, and get, get, get those uh, grilled shrimp and put them, you know, you know what I'm saying? I said, hey, whoa, 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 no, 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 we also have some crab we're going to get. That's what he's doing. Much more, much more having then been justified by his blood. Much more, the blood of Jesus is speaking. We shall be saved from wrath through him. Now, what he's saying to us, when we were sinners, horrible sinners, Jesus Christ the innocent died for us. Brothers and sisters, just, I know that, but you don't know that if you don't really walk in that. You don't know that if you don't get excited about that. You don't know that if you don't trust God in every situation. He says, he says to us, God did that. Jesus died while we were sinners. He says, no, no, I love this. He says, much more than having been justified, declared righteous by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And, and, it, and it gets better. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. When we were enemies, God did this amazing work of reconciliation. Let me talk to you just quickly about uh, reconciliation. Just give me a, a moment, just a quick moment. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I may not do it. Let me do it. Okay. I'm not, I won't, let me not do it. Let me not do it. But what he did was he brought us, he brought us to his side, as it were. He reconciled us. He found us alone and needing help, and he brought us to himself. He says, so for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of the Son, much more, that he gives again, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And what he shows us is that, is that Jesus Christ saved us when we were enemies. He went to the cross and he died for us. He said, now if God brought us to him through that sacrifice, he says, much more. I mean, I'm, I'm ready to settle down right there. But he said, no, no, DG, that's not enough. That's not enough, Don, that's not enough. He says, he saved you, but that's not enough. He says, we shall, we shall, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So he's not talking about the, the, the life that Jesus had when he was in a mortal body. He is talking about the, the eternal life that he exhibits after having been raised from the dead Ascended to heaven, he says, this Zoe life, this Logos, this life of God, 
this eternal life that never had a beginning. He said, that's the life that keeps you. That's the life that keeps you. You were saved, justified by the blood. He said, don't you worry. You may not understand everything that's going on in your life. You may not understand the pain that you're suffering. He said, but after a while, because the life that, that saves you is eternal life. It's going to keep you. Hallelujah, somebody. Yes. And so what God did with this love of God, and I'm, I'm, I'm done almost. This is what the love of God did. The love of God is what we would call intransitive. Intransitive. I, I didn't study that too much in my English. I, I spoke pretty good English. My mom was very good at that stuff, and so I didn't figure I had to study it much, and so I've, I missed that lesson. Uh, but when I was studying Spanish, I learned about intransitive verbs. And, um, and so this love is like intransitive. This is what intransitive means. It means that it does not need a direct object. You know, so God's love is para siempre, forever. Yeah, para siempre, forever. And so the love of God came to us to save us. It's intransitive. See, let me tell you what, what an intransitive verb is. Sit. I don't have to say down. <laughs> Sit. Run. Stop. Go. So, so it doesn't need a direct object. So what Paul is showing us, this is so amazing. He's showing us God's love is all by itself able to reconcile you. And what God's love does, it brings these, these two opposing, uh, not just views, but thoughts, but acts and actions and, and personages what we, you and I were going in that direction, as it were, and I know God is eternal, he's everywhere, but as it were, he was going in this direction, and they were like unreconcilable, and God's love came down, Hallelujah. needing nothing else, and has brought us to God forever. Why? Because if God can't bring me forever to himself forever, he's not God. He's not God. His love did it. His love is what reconciled us. So when I came to God, I was a dirty, rotten sinner. Forgive me for saying it like that. A dirty, rotten sinner. And his love saved me. And he brought me into one with God. That's what God did. That's what God did. And the Lord wants us to know that. Because I believe that we're, we're entering into... As I go to my seat for a moment, we are entering into one of the worst times of human history. And every believer is going to need to know what I've just said. And you're going to need to know much more, much more. Thank you so much for your time.